Welcome to the Boxing Life Podcast, where we talk about everything from boxing to business. Fighting Manny Pacquiao is is an experience. It's not a fight. Mindset to money. I, I think any business, you have to make it someone's third place. Speaking to some of the world's most interesting people. So that would be considered an example of a biohack, where I'm hacking my biology. From Sutherland, England. Now living in Los Angeles, California. You put him in the ring with me in his day, and I'm talking his best day, and I'm 50 right now. I will knock him out. Here's your host, 2008 Olympic medalist and former undefeated professional boxer, Tony Jeffries. Welcome to the Boxing Life Podcast. What I'm going to start doing with, with this show is one week I'm going to do an episode on boxing talking about the latest fights, uh, the latest fighters and getting fighters on, get interviewing them. And then the next week I'm going to talk about life, talking about things like business, development, fitness, current events, things like that. So one week's boxing, one week's life, one week's boxing, one week's life. Simple as that. And I'm going to title the podcasts with either boxing or life so you'll know which one it's going to be at the beginning. Last week's was boxing, and now this week's life. On this episode, I've got a great friend of mine, Ryan Munsey. Ryan is a person who I can confidently say has helped change my life. He's educated me on nutrition. He's held me accountable for my nutrition. I've lost like 30 pounds since last year, since I started t- talking with Ryan and getting to know Ryan, and he's been helping me. And yeah, he's just a, such a great person. He's got a podcast called The Better Human Project, and this episode's going to be on his show as well as the Boxing Life podcast and he's got an RV camper van where he drives around and he interviews different people and he does different shows in the back of this RV, he's converted into a podcast studio and if you follow me or you follow Ryan Munsey on Instagram you'll see the pictures that we posted in the back of the RV. On this episode we just sit there and we have a great conversation about all sorts, brain development, networking, there's no such thing as luck. The pros and cons of social media, especially when you have kids, because if you have got kids, that's something I'm we're a little bit worried about, what social media is like. We talk about how easy it is to get sex these days, <laughs> something I've never spoke about before. Society's changed and, and what direction society's going in with the sex, not so much the sex industry, but with sex in general. We talk about how to get the right people around you. You've all heard the phrase, surround yourself with great people and you're the average of the uh, five people you hang around with the most we talk about that and something that i believe in so much is done is better than perfect basically saying perfection prevents productivity and we talk about that as well if you wait for the right moment for something to be perfect you're never going to get it done this is an excellent episode with a great great human being i hope you enjoy the show i'm sure you will if you can do me a favour, do the show a favour, leave us a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you listen to the podcast, leave us feedback, send me messages on Instagram, you can follow at Tony underscore Jeffries, follow the podcast on Instagram, at Box and Life, follow Ryan Munsey, it's at Ryan Munsey underscore, here it is, the Box and Life podcast with me and Ryan Tony Jeffries, it's great to catch back up with you. Ryan Munsey, my mate, how's it going? <laughs> it's going well, man. So good to see you, as always. You too. So that the first time we've seen each other, well, it must have been about a year now, was it? Yeah. We saw each other at the Bulletproof Conference back in the fall. Yeah. That was uh, October. Right. And got to hang out for a little while. We went to a shroom room, had some mushroom yeah. elixirs, went to Erewhon, ate lunch. Did some boxing. Did some boxing. Yeah, we did. That was a lot of fun. And then April of 
earlier last year in April. So that's when, when we met. Did some boxing. Did, did the the double podcasting. Yeah. And then it, well, I think it was the end of May when you changed my life. I like to tell everyone that like <laughs> Munzi changed my life with giving me help and advice on nutrition. Being an Olympic athlete, you know, I was on an eight-year training program for the Olympics. I worked with some world-class, what call ourselves world-class nutritionists. And uh, and after that, when I turned professional, I had, I had some great nutritionists. But the info you give me and the accountability that you, you held, for me, uh, what was what it was, what was really changed my life. And now, fast forward eight months, I'm something like, 30 pound lighter than I was when we first met. Is that the final number? Yeah. So I Damn. was 216 and now I'm 186. That's amazing. Uh, and, I, and I, I love hearing that. Yeah. But, and this is what I love about it, not to jump in and interrupt, but you, you mentioned two things that are really, really crucial. And, and I think this is my approach to helping people with nutrition is, is first and foremost, educating you so that you can do what you need to do. Yeah. Right. That's the biggest part is giving you the the tools and the power to be able to make the decisions for yourself but then the other word you mentioned is accountability yeah. holding you accountable for those choices you know so many of us maybe not in nutrition because i think there's a huge gap in knowledge on how to eat but in any endeavor that we pursue we all have the ability to find that information yes a lack of information isn't our problem it's it's follow through and and to be able to create this environment where we can hold you accountable. And, you know, I, I didn't know that the final number was 30. That shows you, you know, we haven't really been in touch in regards to nutrition much yeah. lately. But to see that you're able to take the foundation that we built and carry it on, you don't need me. You don't have to right. call your nutritionist every single day and say, what do I do? And, and what are my macros? And what's my meal plan? Yeah. And that's the whole point is not to give you this template or, or this cookie cutter program that you have to follow but to give you the tools you need to be able to find success on your own yeah and you've done it and that's yeah. amazing i love hearing that <laughs> yeah thank you the education like you say the education is massive for that's what you've kind of done you've, you've educated me uh but like you said the education's there you can find it anywhere you talk about it on, on your podcasts you did that episode with me you, you told me everything there but not until I thought now it's time. I need to make a change. It's when you, if you ever see an old photo of yourself, when you're like, "Fuck, I look fat on there." That's what it was. I was like, "I'm a fitness professional. I need to look like a fitness professional, former Olympic athlete. You know, I need to look like that." And then that's when I, I called you and, and, and you, you give me the education. Now I knew it was time to, to, to go. And then as well with the accountability, you know, you, you you text me, "How's it going?" You've got your private Facebook group where. where you're always asking people on there. I mean, and it was like, see, I've worked with people for, forever and this was the best and the most consistent I've been. And now with the education that you give me, uh, it's changed my life forever because mm -hmm. I'll never go back to the way that I was before. Right. Right. That's that's the most important thing to me and I love hearing not only you but, but so many other people that I've been able to, to work with in the past to say that. And that's, like I said, that's that is the approach that I take. I think it goes back to all the way back to like 2009, 2010, when I was first getting started as a personal trainer in a f commercial fitness facility. And I had, uh, I guess you would call him the, the training manager at that gym where I didn't see the education from him to the clients that I wanted to see. All of these clients couldn't succeed without him. Right. And, and that was... Not that there's anything wrong with, with wanting to help people and, and 
in teaching them in that way. But I just, I just felt like if someone worked with me for six months or a year or, or whatever the time frame was, I felt that it was my responsibility to give them the tools to be successful on their yeah. own. I, I don't want someone to have to rely on me. And, and part of that is my approach to my own pursuits. I, I want the information so that I can understand it and learn how to apply it myself yeah. and not have to rely on anyone else to get where I want to get, you know, in my right. life. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you've, you've helped, helped me with that, just that conversation and you sent me this stuff. Like how many other people have you helped? You see, I, I don't think you realize just what a big impact you're having on people's lives. Like I say, you've, you've changed my life 100%. I love and that, that's, that's just me, you yeah. know, I, how many lives have you changed? I mean, you should be really proud of yourself because <laughs> what you're doing is fucking awesome, Ryan. Thank Tell you, man. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. It means a lot to me. Um, so w what is that motivates you to help other people? Is that is that something that you're very passionate about? I know you're passionate about learning all the time, but yeah. you're passing that knowledge on. I, I'm, I've always known that I'm very curious and, and very easily bored. So I, I have that side of me that is constantly... Uh, seeking to learn and, and expand, you know, my mental horizons and learn. But this is something that really only hit me a few days ago it, as part of that education process. Uh, this is a guy who would be a great guest for you on your show. His name is Josh Mance. And right. he wrote a book. It's actually right behind me. It's The Beauty of a Darker Soul. And it's Overcoming Trauma Through the Power of Human Connection. And Josh was shot and killed in Iraq and I say killed, he uh, actually flatlined for 15 minutes. Wow. And the, the first aid, uh, you know, the, the military medics performed CPR and, and life-saving measures for a full 15 minutes before they got a pulse back, brought him back to life. He has this incredible story. He's, he speaks and, and has written about uh, overcoming trauma. And as I was reading his book, you know, part of what he's talking about is exploring shame and guilt and survivor's guilt. And, and talking about how that can come in many different forms. And, and I had the chance to actually talk to him about this earlier this week, which was a cool experience to have. But as I was reading the book and his explanation of that survivor's guilt, I had this realization that this unquenchable motivation that I have to, to serve and to um, almost feel like I have to earn, you know, like we've all seen the the quote of like, you know, rent is due every day or, or, or yeah. something like that. And, or, you know, just a life of service and this, this drive to give back. I, I think I feel like I have to do that. One, I, I've always kind of felt like that's why we're here, right? Like what, what else, what else are we here to do if not to make others better yeah. and, and to serve our tribes and our communities? But there was this underlying thing that I never realized until this week was that, you know, I had a friend who passed away, uh, when we were kids, um, I was 10 when he passed away. He was 11. He had AIDS. Um, he had a blood transfusion um, right after he was born and ended up contracting HIV from that. Wow. And, and it developed into AIDS. And he passed away as, as a 11 year old. And 11 year old? Yeah. And shit. I, I never, I mean, that was a heavy thing as a 10 year old. And, and I mean, we knew he had AIDS younger than that. But, you know, that's when he passed away. And, I guess I've been carrying that as motivation more than I realized until reading this book. Like it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I had to stop reading the book. Like I was crying on the plane out here finishing the book. And um, it was just this realization that like I have felt like 
he was robbed of his life. Like, yeah. why him? Why not me? Or, or, or why did I get to live? And it's almost like I have to earn this right to a life. And, and I think that just, we hear everybody talk about, you know, being grateful for waking up today and, yeah. you know, doing your best to, to serve and all, all of those kind of platitudes that, that sound great and not that there's anything wrong with them, but I think a lot of times they can be lip service. Right. And we say it because we think it sounds good. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so what what is it that? Because you motivate a lot of people. I don't know if that's the avenue you go down. Because you you see, like there's a, a million motivational speakers. Every yeah. everyone's a motivational speaker, right? But I feel like you do it, not meaning to motivate, but to help yeah. in a, in a different sort of way, right? Yeah, and I think I, I don't, I don't resonate with a lot of the rah-rah motivational type speakers yeah that i i get what tony robbins does or, or like a brendan bruchard and and if you're the type of person that resonates with them great if that helps you awesome i will watch them speak to try to pick up what i can from their tremendous speakers so i'm watching what they're doing and how they're doing it right. not necessarily listening to you know kind of the message because i just I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, not every day is, you know, a 10 out of 10, right? And we all have those kind of ups and down days. And I just, you know, to steal from Josh, I mean, I guess I consider myself a little bit darker than that. I'm not a, like the rah-rah stuff doesn't yeah. resonate with me. The thing that really drives me, the book Compound Effect from Darren Hardy. Have you read that? No. Phenomenal book. And and the concept of the compound effect is, you know, these, these tiny little micro habits, these daily habits, how we spend our time, what we do each day compounds over time. Right. right. And like one hour a day devoted to mastering your craft over a month is 30 hours and over a year is, you know, 300 hours yeah. and over your lifetime, there's a reason that when you and I go box, you look a certain way and, and move a certain way. And I look like a dude who has no idea what he's doing, yeah. right? You've, you've mastered that. You've put in the time and, and that is compounded over time, right? So that's sort of the gist of it. But he says something in that book about sort of examining your legacy. And there's this giant gap between the number of people who will attend our funeral and actually go from the service to the gravesite. Yeah. And then even further, what if it rains? Who would stand in the rain to visit your gravesite? Wow. Yeah. And I, I read that book back in 2012 when I was starting, you know, my fitness uh, performance training facility. And yeah, I read it as a business book, but that was one of the lessons that really, it was a paradigm shift for me because up until that point, you know, I was focused on, you know, what my numbers were. I thought my value as a coach or a trainer was, you know, how much can I squat or how strong am I and how right. strong can I make you in the gym? And you know, then I realized, you know, when I die, we all will die. So yeah. I think that's that's the, the overriding thing that kind of motivates me is that I realize how finite my time is, all of our time is here on this planet. And I have this irrational fear of ceasing to exist. Like I will give myself an anxiety attack if I think about what that's like for too long. Right. So I have to pull back from that. But to um, to go back to that kind of analogy, like I just started thinking about well, what are they going to put on my gravestone? Like, the dude had really low body fat, like the dude had great abs or guy squatted X number of pounds. Right. Or, like if, if that's all we are, that's all we are. Yeah. Like there's gotta be more to this pursuit than these numbers or these accolades or whatever. And 
that was a huge shift in in the way I approached being a coach and, and running the facility and now everything that I've done since then is it's not about what I can do it's about what I can help other people do yeah that's that's a it's an interesting way to think I, I think it's Gary Vaynerchuk always says about how he thinks about how many people's going to show up at his funeral but yeah. like how many people's going to visit after that you know uh, but I don't think I've ever visited anyone's gravestone since I've been born so right I did, I've, I've never ever thought about that before and, and there's a quote what uh, Craig Ballantyne I know you're going to get him on your show says oh was it Jay Frugia where it, um, oh what, what's that quote it's people don't remember what you do it's how you make them feel that's right. what people remember right and that when someone when I first heard that quote I really thought about it and I was like that's true mm -hmm. I want to make people feel good yeah and I've always been that person that would like overanalyze my words like I would be afraid to tell you what I want to tell you because I'm I'm being too careful or too particular about like sending you a text I'm like do I want to use that word or this word right. or like how do I want to phrase this or like like I would see somebody and say you know I, in my head I'd be like what's the right way to say this and then I'd end up not saying anything because right. I couldn't figure out wow. the right way to say it and you're right like that's such a great quote and when you keep that in mind you go into this thing with you know, no expectation of how they're going to respond, just appreciation to be able to say, man, I, I see you're going through a tough time. Like, if you need to talk, call me. Yeah. Or like, dude, I watch what you do with your business and your family, and I I'm so impressed by it. And, and, you know, congratulations, keep it up, or whatever it might be, yeah. or whoever you want to say something to. Not saying it because you don't know what to say is worse than any way you could say yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it's it's pretty it's pretty easy to make someone feel good, really, isn't it? It's as simple as a smile, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, think about the world we live in today where, like, everybody is, is distracted. They're in their own bubble, walking down the street on their cell phone or, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Donna and I, um, we started this trip in San Francisco. My wife, Donna, came with me. And uh, we got coffee. Uh, I guess it was Sunday morning. We got coffee. And we walked out of the coffee shop and... Um, you know, there were like three or four people that came out behind us and I just held the door for them and they go out. And then as the door was closing, I realized that there's, there's this lady that I was like letting go of the door and then kind of maneuvering around her. And, and she was an elderly lady. She had a walker and, you know, I asked her, I was like, ma'am, are you going inside? I'll open the door for you. Cause she was kind of moving so slow. You couldn't even tell like right. what her intention was. And she said, Oh no, you know, I'm not going inside, but you made my day. Thank you so much. And just those little actions yeah. that we don't think about you know if you're in line at a coffee shop buy coffee for the person behind you or you know if you're yeah. going through a toll pay your toll and the person behind you or yeah. little things like that that you will feel better because yeah. you made someone's day and then you you start this kind of like that butterfly effect yeah and you, you make i've their been day. reading the book um the seven laws of the seven spiritual laws of success okay have you heard that one i haven't that that's great and what that says is try and give every single person you see something mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be a physical thing it could be a compliment mm -hmm. it could be a note yep. it could be a flower but try and give them any something every time you see them because that that's going to make their life better mm -hmm. which will make your your life mentally feel better mm -hmm. i love conversations with you because you always make me look at what i'm doing and kind of think about it in different ways right and i bet you're doing that so going back to like your original question of like inspiring people or changing lives, but not necessarily trying to come across as motivational. You know, I think it's, I think what people pick up on is that internal drive that I have to not waste my life. Right. But also one of the other things is like you just said, 
this is what made me think of it, is I've always said that to the, the tagline for my facility when I had the gym, it was called House of Strength, and it was Stronger, Healthier, Happier. And I want every single person that I cross paths with in my life to live a stronger, healthier, happier life for having crossed paths with me. Right. And if I try to conduct myself in that manner, maybe that's what people are picking up on and, and yeah. having the effect that you just mentioned. So right. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think so. I think so. I think with you, you you're always, like you said, you're always trying to help people. Right. So you're always trying to help people. That's why I've never heard one person say anything bad about you because you, you know you, you're helping everyone. You know, I'm sure with those people saying that Munzi's a fucking awesome. No, they're not. People. <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean? Because you, you're right. trying to help people, so you you you, you give give give, and, and you're not asking for anything you know right. you're not really asking for anything so when you it's like that book jab jab right hook of Gary Vaynerchuk yeah. I guess you, you know about yeah, that way right? give 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 yeah. and then ask yeah. you know I'm still waiting for you to ask for something from me you know <laughs> but uh, yeah I think that's what it is if you if you give something everything uh, another thing it says is every time you go to someone's house make sure you bring something yeah. I know we're going to go to Jay's later on so yeah. we're going to bring I, I was thinking about that I actually saw I was like I, I really feel like I need to bring something and then thank God for this is one place where social media is, is a good thing because I saw in his story uh, I saw his wife like setting up he was like kind of making uh, like showing a preview right. of what's going to be there so now I know like everything that he's putting into this event so now I really know I can't show up empty handed yeah, yeah. so since we're both going we'll have to figure out like <laughs> figure uh, out what a stop and, and we'll get yeah so kind of kind of fill with a bottle of wine, can you? But that, that that's it. Like every time you go to someone's house, make sure you, you bring bring something. You yeah. Know? But it's interesting you mentioned, and this is a question I have for you. You mentioned you know, guys like Jay and Craig and and this network, and and we kind of see these. There's this law of attraction where where people with sort of similar values kind of find each other. And yeah. You know, I see the type of people, the caliber of person that that you attract, and everybody who's around you. I've never heard a single person say a bad thing about you. Every time, uh, you know, on this trip, people are saying, you know, who are you interviewing and who do you all have set up? And, you know, every time your name comes up, everyone says, oh, I love Tony. Tony's a great guy. Oh, that's guy. awesome. That's awesome. And it's so, it's so cool to see how, you know, the, the same thing kind of applies to you. And I'm curious what you intentionally do to kind of curate your network mm. and the people that are around you, your circle of influence, and how you use that to... You know, become a better person. Yeah, I, I love networking. It's one one of my strengths. I love meeting new people. Doesn't matter if you are an influencer, so, someone with a high profile, with a million followers, or someone who just walks in the gym for the first time, who who I've never, who does nothing, or someone who's on the streets in Santa Monica. I love meeting people. I love fist pumping, talking to people, and again, that goes a long way. Giving people compliments, uh, asking about them, because. The, 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 there's there's so many people who like to talk about themselves, uh, and I'm not that that guy who'll come and, and tell you all about my life story. I, I guess so. I always ask people questions, but the worst is when you say, "All right, mate, how's it going?" Then you're there 15 minutes later. You know what I mean? They say, yeah. "Fuck, I wish I shouldn't ask that." <laughs> but you know, but yeah, show that you give a shit. Yeah, where I really do. Where does that come from? I don't know. I, th I just think I'm. Because you really do. Like, I get that from you. You're not asking to ask. You really want to know these things. Yeah. You care. It's I, genuine. I, yeah, I love to ask questions. I love to learn, you know. You, you know, if, you, if you're if the one talking, you're never learning. So I love to learn. And since I've started podcasting, I've learned an awful lot. I've learned so much. And then coming down to the network and, and the circle is just getting bigger. Like, starting podcast was one of the best things I've done. I've met yourself. I've, I've met so many people, and that's just... The, the circle's just expanding and expanding. Mm -hmm. 
being an Olympic medalist obviously helps because you can get on still any podcast because of that background. Yeah, and by the way, you were recently uh, awarded a certificate from the Olympic Committee yeah. where you can put O-L-Y after oh. your name. Congratulations yeah, on that. Thank you. That's thank amazing. You. Yeah. Oh, Chris, is that O-L-Y? You know, I'd, be, I'd be tagging like streets with graffiti, you know. <laughs> O-L-Y. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, it's crazy. Like uh, the way my life's turned turned out, I left school with no qualifications, uh, no one really gave me a chance. I thought I was going to do anything in life. Uh, and obviously, I'm doing all right now. Uh, just, I don't know if you've seen, I posted today. Just just yesterday, I was in the Nike store in Santa Monica. Uh, a big picture of me. and uh, yeah, Na- Your body wasn't in there. There was a picture of your face, of face. On, on like a display at the Nike store. Right, yeah. I wish they put my body in. Now I'm down to 186 pounds. That would have been all right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's crazy. Like I'd been writing blogs and the BBC in England just posted one of one of my blogs on their website and I'm like, bloody hell, this this wasn't supposed to happen. And it did. So I want to get into some of this. In the book that I have coming out, it's called Fuck Your Feelings. And uh, Do you know what? I'm really surprised you picked that name because I've never heard you swear once. Really? I don't think so. That's so interesting because I I think most of our conversations have been either in the boxing ring where you have me where I can't breathe <laughs> or we've been on the air and I try not to on the air but if right. you're around me uh, in like regular interaction right. I, I cuss a lot yeah. um, it actually we were around someone yesterday and I said something that I realized like I maybe wish I hadn't said that but I, it's just it's just how I talk but anyway <laughs> it, th- so this is it's interesting you know it's it's self-talk like that's what I tell myself right. you know uh, on those days where I know I need to do the right thing regardless of how I feel. And there's uh, a neuroscientist, Antonio Damasio, who found that 95% of the decisions we make are made based on how we feel. Right. So that's a big kind of, that's the overriding thesis for the book. And then the rest of it is this exploration of why some people are able to succeed and others don't. And it really is sort of that, uh, to steal that analogy of like the good wolf and the bad wolf, which one do you feed? We have these competing systems in our uh, biology, in our brain. So it's developing an awareness and it's a user's manual for people to understand that. And I don't want to get too much into to the book right now because point in bringing it up is that, you know, in the book, I look at some high performers and specifically I use Olympic athletes as an example. And I, I don't mention you by name in the book, but since we're talking about it, you are one of the people that there, there are four Olympians that I've been able to talk to in writing this. And you never mentioned me in the book. Come on, Munzi. All right. I, it's, I still have the <laughs> chance to edit it. I'll put your name in there. We'll, we'll put you somewhere in there. Um, but the point of this is you mentioned it was an eight-year training program. Yeah. Right? And, and most people look at success as, as a singular moment. And, and we, can, we can talk about the singular moment for you being like you and I have talked before. So it wasn't even the medal-winning bout. It was the one before yeah. where you knew as time ticked down – that you are about to have a, a chance, you know, for a medal. And so point in all this is that in the eight years and you just said when you left school, nobody gave you a chance. You weren't supposed to be successful. The reason that you've been successful is that at every opportunity, maybe not every, but more often than not, when faced with those decisions, you did what you knew you needed to do to get where you wanted to be, regardless of how you felt in that moment. Right. And that's the crux of fuck your feelings. But I, I'm curious if you were aware of that 
as you went through it or, or what sort of mental tricks or strategies did you use to do the things right. that you didn't want to do? Yeah. Well, w with the training for the Olympics, I, I never thought the Olympics was the end goal, but I never thought about the end goal so much. I thought about the, the little goals in between, the national championships. I had, if I wasn't a national champion, I wouldn't have put on the England boxing team, which obviously you've got to be on to, you know. So, But even the national championships, I would be fighting in the regional rounds, the northeast. I, would be, I wouldn't think about past there. As soon as you think past that, you forget what's in front of you. So I would focus on this one fight, even though I'm 20 fights away from going to the Olympic qualifiers, and then the next fight, focus on that one, where there's been so many fighters in the past, and I'm sure athletes where they've thought too much down the line to completely mm -hmm. fuck up what's in front of them, and then mm -hmm. they'll never go that far. So I think it was the, the small goals mm -hmm. that, that made me achieve the big goals, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about you can't get from A to Z without first crossing through checkpoint B and C and yeah. D. Yeah. So it's it's really cool to see how you broke that down into what actions um, or, or what kind of checkpoints have to be met along the way in order right. to get yeah. there. Right. Yeah. It was all all them them little ones. You know, I, I was I've just wrote a blog on this. There was a few years ago I was in the Britannia pub in Santa Monica in the British bar, and I met this little Irishman. He he looked like he was some gangster in a long black leather coat and uh, he, I got taught to us and he asked us about what I did I said I was a professional boxer I went to the Olympic Games uh, and he was oh he was impressed and I said I got a medal I said but I was lucky to get a medal he went whoa what do you mean you were lucky to get a medal I said well I don't know if I told you this but I had a cracked rib uh, when I was competing in, in the games and I got to walk over my first fight which means I, 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 I got the look of the draw and then I, I fought um, who was it the Colombian where I could have been drawn against the, the champion in my first fight and, and lost. I said, so I was telling this Irishman, so uh, I, I was lucky that I got this draw. And he went, hang on, there's no such thing as luck. I went, what do you mean? He said, well, how did you get to the Olympics? I said, well, I qualified. How did you qualify? I was the champion of England. How were you the champion of England? I was thinking, where's he going with this? <laughs> I went, because I trained my arse off and beat everyone in front of us. He said, exactly, you trained your arse off. There's no such thing as luck. So if you're trying to say that you were lucky, you weren't lucky at all. Right. You know? And I was like, wow. Well, that's, I think that's where your humility is is almost marginalizing your own accomplishment. Mm. Right? Like, I just, it's, you, you are that type of person that you're so humble that it's hard for you to just say, like, you know what? Yeah, I... I outworked everybody yeah. and I fucking earned this thing and yeah. you know like own it. Right, yeah. But I'm, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Yeah. I didn't know you had a cracked rib. The, yeah. the entire Olympics or just Yeah, the entire Olympics. So I was Jeez. I was fighting I, I fought the world silver medalist about 3 months before the Olympics in a, in a warm-up tournament and uh, it was a south boy hit me with a left hand to the body, cracked me rib and uh, so my my preparation for the Olympics was actually pretty bad. It wasn't very good. I never had a great deal of sparring. Uh, and before each fight in the Olympics, I was getting anesthetic injected into me into my rib. It fucking killed. It really hurt. Wow. So I was getting numbed because I don't know if you know if you've got a cracked rib or even a bruised rib. When you try to take deep breaths in, it really hurts. So right. in training, when I was pushing myself to the limit, I couldn't because the pain was so bad in my rib. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, so to get get through get through the. So Olympics, you're coming but, into the Olympics with not quite the preparation conditioning wise yeah. that you would have wanted to have you're compromised in 
your ability to absorb blows, right? But maybe even in the way that you're delivering and punching. Yeah. Well, I think more than anything, it was more of a, a mental thing. Yeah. Because it was. It doesn't matter how mentally strong you are. If you've got a cracked rib and you know you've got a cracked rib, that's gonna play something in the back of your mind. You know, yeah. what if I get hit harder in there? Is it gonna yeah. burst open or <laughs> whatever ribs do? And it was funny because like this is like two hours before the fight. I'm lying on a, on a bed, and he's got like the X-ray. On, on my rib and I can see my ribs with the crack and then he's putting the needle in trying to get the needle all the way around to the right location and putting the anesthetic in there this is like two hours before a fight yeah you know uh, it's, that's not the ideal pre-fight ritual no <laughs> so what's going through your mind as, as that's happening uh, I'm, I'm just thinking I'm just thinking about the fight really that, that's, the, that's the main concern like when you're fighting especially at such a high level that's it's really hard to get your focus off the fight even if you're getting a needle stabbed into your <laughs> Yeah. In your ribs, you know. Yeah. Uh, so at yeah, that, I was just thinking about that. At that point, you're just like, man, whatever you got to do, get it done. I'm yeah, ready to do it. I'm ready to yeah. do this. I've trained so long, so hard to to get to get here, you know. And then I'd call, I'd I'd um, for for the fight for the medal. There was two two days. I'd just beat the Colombian, uh, who's who's now a current world champion as a professional. Really. And then I'm fighting the Hungarian for for the medal bout. So you've in your past, you've beaten the guy who's currently. He's a world champion now. He's got a version title. of the world t world title right now. Yeah, he's yeah. a Colombian. He's a, he's a beast, mate. Uh, and yeah, so I'm I'm fighting for the medal. And there was two days that went by uh, in between the two fights, and it was the weirdest feeling. It's something that I can't explain. I remember phoning my mother and saying, I don't I, I don't know how I feel because you're excited, you're nervous, you're emotional. You've put all this time and energy in, into the to the training, eight years to get to this point, and now you're actually fighting for the medal. You know, it was a, a really crazy feeling. You know, and like I said in the last episode, we did winning that medal was just the best feeling ever. Yeah, it was funny to actually hear you say that at that time. That was even you probably may still feel this way, but that was a bigger moment than even the birth of your kids. Yeah, it's funny. I, we used to have an Olympic medalist, Wayne McCulloch used to work for us. He won a silver medal in the 96, I think it was, Olympics. And he's, he's got a daughter, and it was before the birth of my daughter. And he said, Tony, having a kid is the best feeling ever. He said, you think winning the Olympics medal's good? Try having a, having a kid. And I was like, whoa, really? Surely not. And then I then we had the kid, and she she, she had some problems. She had to go to the, the NICU and it was a hor it was one of the worst experiences in my life actually something what the hell was he talking about so anyway i have the second kid who's really healthy and again yeah it's good but come on mate it's it's no you know completely different and yeah like, yeah everyone says having the kids the, the the best feeling in the world now nah, i mean try try winning an olympic medal after eight year training program that's the best feeling in the world i can imagine you know the bad thing about about it is i was 23 years old when i won the olympic medal mm -hmm. now what now what? That's I'm so glad you went there because that's actually that was the next question I had. I was thinking about that in the back of my right. head. Right. Like what what I mean, was there not to steal like postpartum from, you know, birth and, and mothers, but I mean you've put eight plus years into that. You, you climb the mountain, you're at the top. What's next? Like yeah, how, what's how, next? Exactly. How, and like especially at twenty three where our emotional intelligence isn't necessarily what it is today. Yeah. I'm guessing it's like having a hit of heroin when you when you're 23 years old, and then not having it ever again. Yeah. Like, how are you going to reach that high? How are you going to do it? And you know, I've accepted that 
I'm not like what 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 else can I possibly achieve in life? What's winning the limit like like that that high? Do you find yourself like was there a period of depression after that? Do you find yourself chasing that high now? Yes. Not now, or, but a, a couple of years ago I was chasing that high all the time, and it's like I, I, I've accepted that I'm never going to get that high. And one thing I don't want to be remem- remembered for is the guy that won the Olympic medal. You right. know? I want I want to be more than that, right. and I think that's what I'm doing now with the brand that I'm building with the with the boxing business uh i, I want to be known in the fitness industry as one of the one of the best well you tell you just tell me i change lives i mean look at how many people come into you've got two thriving locations of yeah. box and burn in the los angeles area one in santa monica one in brentwood i mean i see the pictures and the videos from class your gyms are packed right. you guys were just named number one gym in california yeah that was last year and, and yeah, number yeah. two in like the u.s or what was yeah the, number two in u.s yeah, you post stuff from me, yeah. That's amazing. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. But the thing is, Ryan, that the yeah, we're changing a few people's lives here, a few thousand, whatever it is. But the thing where we are really spreading the brand is with our education program. Mm-hmm. We had, uh, about four or five months ago, we had a girl flying from Saudi Arabia, a fitness professional, to do our education program where we teach her how to teach boxing, to teach other people. So now we've certified over a thousand trainers from around the world now they're going to be teaching their thousand, you know, and then it just spreads and spreads and spreads. So, and our course is now online. So we're getting people from Australia, Canada, India. Someone signed up the other week from India doing our uh, certification course online. That is awesome. What, uh, just in case somebody listening isn't aware of that, what are the names? It's Box and Burn Academy. Yeah, Box and, and Burn Academy, uh, where we teach you how to teach boxing to other people. And obviously it, it improves your value as a trainer, as a fitness professional. I'm sure you've seen now this boxing fitness gyms popping up everywhere. Yeah. It seems to be the, the most popular workout, but the only problem is like 99% of trainers can't teach boxing. Right. And the, 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 a lot of the guys who can that they teach it incorrectly so people get injured, they don't get the um, real effects. But once you once you learn how to teach boxing correctly, it can be the most rewarding workout that you can give someone, most addictive. I know you loved it when, when you did it with me. Oh, I loved it. And yeah. I mean, you say, you said earlier, like you keep waiting on me to ask you for something. I feel like I am every time we get a, a session in. Yeah. I mean, I'm just incredibly grateful to, to be able to do that with you. We've done it twice and you know, if we had a little bit more time today, maybe we would have. But again, yeah. like, I feel bad asking even for that. So, um, you mentioned earlier, like uh, the the article that you wrote for BBC and, and all of your blogs. You have become a content machine. You <laughs> you just had your third daughter. So you're a father of, of three girls. You run two facilities. Yeah. You have a podcast. Where do you find the time to be so productive and and to show up? in the way that you want to show up in each of those areas of yeah. your life. I'm a workaholic, mate. I really am. Uh, and I, it's it's not a, it's not a great thing when you've got a family with three kids because there's a lot lot of times, more times than not, when I'm with my family and I'm thinking about work. I'm thinking about content. I'm thinking about ideas. I'm going to be walking down the park with my me, with me daughters and I'll see a, someone working out on the beach. I think, oh, that would be a good video or a good blog I could write about. And, you know, so it's not necessarily a great thing. That's why... I was asking you before about switching off and you were telling me things yeah. about doing cold showers and that again another thing you've helped change my life with the, with the cold shower stuff like you were the first one to tell me about that and that that there's amazing but yeah i mean uh, i i'm i'm obsessed with creating content and 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 putting stuff out there and you know and marketing and social media and really trying to figure out new ways to to spread the word and spread the message is there anything that 
uh, that you've started to think about with not only your use of social media, but how your daughters are seeing you use it. And I know they're a little bit young now to, yeah. to have phones, but when they get phones, have you thought much about how you'll show them by example how to interact with it? No, I, I've, I've, no I've, ne I've never thought about that. It's, it's something that I, I, it's, it's kind of scary because the, the way that social media is going, the, the way that online dating is going the, with, the, with the Tinders and all, all that stuff. Like, I was talking to someone the other, other week about how I think I have three daughters as well, so I was like, fuck. How, how now, like, sex is there if you want it, like with, with the Tinder and the Bumble. I had a guy starting with me the other week. He was here for two weeks, and, and he'd slept with, like, seven girls. They were coming and picking them up, he, and he was just sleeping with them. And and to me, where I'm from, like, sleeping with a girl or a girl sleeping with a guy, it's, it's kind of a big deal, but it yeah. feels like now... Like it's it's not a big deal. It's and I think now it's starting to get desensitized. Mm -hmm. Like like it's like with the, the sex, you know. Yeah. And it, it's it's gonna get that regular and uh, that that easy to do it. I don't know where where the industry is gonna go. I, I don't know, not the industry wh where society. Yeah, society is gonna go, and it's I've got I've got to get it in my head that sex now is not a big deal. Right. Where like. I, I, obviously, I don't want my daughters sleeping around, but if they do, I mean, the, my oldest one's three, so it's hard to split like this. Right. But like, if they do, I've got to understand myself. Like, it's not that big of a deal because I don't think it is anymore. Right? Right? You know what I mean? Right. Right. Well, you've, I know you've been off the market for a while, right? We yeah. So I'm, I'm married, and we've been together since 2009. So, you know, the way you phrase that really is is something that instantly fascinated me because I haven't thought about I mean I've never been on Tinder I've never used any of those apps because I, I've been with my wife now Donna but at the time she was my girlfriend you know since 2009 so I've never been on any of those apps I yeah. don't know what that's like and and I was completely oblivious to what you just said that it is everywhere and it's on demand like if, yeah. if you wanted it you could get it a lot easier now than 10 years ago or 15 years ago yeah. or, or more and yeah, my friend, he's not even good looking. And he's got girls coming around, coming around to the house, picking them up, driving around the streets. I don't know where they were having sex in the car and then dropping them back off. It was that easy. And I'm like thinking, fucking hell. Right. What it must be like to be single. <laughs> and, you know, you've got to be really careful the way you navigate that with, with your daughters. Like you said, it's, I mean, it's, there's there's gravity to it. But at the same time, if you put so much on it that, you know, how how do you swim carefully through right uh, the nuances there? Yeah, that, that's that's the thing about parenting. Like, do you come down on them and say don't do this, yeah. or do you let them do it and learn themselves? You know, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. Yeah, you know, I've just got to really learn while while I go along. But it's something that I'm not really looking forward to. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, I, I don't envy you having to deal with that. <laughs> you know, I wanted I wanted one boy. I ended up with three girls. How the hell did that happen? Are you going to keep trying for the boy? No, I'm You're done. done? Now, I think I'm done. I'm thinking about getting the snip, getting Are the you? balls cut, but I, I don't know. We'll have to see. Okay. Are you going to have some or what? No, we've decided not to. Um, Good idea. Yeah. Good idea. You know, it's it's funny. You never, you probably never hear your parents tell you that, but like, <laughs> you know, my life was amazing 
before I have my wife's amazing now, but like before right. I had kids, you've got so much freedom. You can do what you want. You can, uh, you've got, you haven't got that much uh, responsibility. You might think you have, but you haven't until right. you've got kids, and then you've got yeah, loads. I, yeah, we're, we're you're not res- right. I understand you totally because that's a that's been part of the conversation. Is like, are we truly ready to be responsible for the life of another human yeah. being, and and not just in a way that we can provide a roof and a bed and food, but you know, to not fuck them up. Right. Like, well, I, I don't think it, it, it's so much about fucking them up. I, I, you'll be, I think you'd be a great parent. I've not met your missus yet. I'm sure she would be as well. But like, it's it's the responsibility of like, look where you are now. We're in the back of a camper van in a car park in Santa Monica. If you had a kid, chances are you're not going to be here. You know, right. you're not being productive and, and doing what you love and having a kid you, you, the, the things that, that I feel like you love having a kid will prevent you from doing that mm-hmm. so you might be uh, what's it to, to your kid like resentful to, to your kid yeah, yeah. Where and, and that is part of the that's been part of the decision making process is you know both Donna and I have put so much into uh, getting our professional careers to a, to a certain point that you know now we're both sort of kind of coming out of that like head down, do the work that you have to do phase. And we kind of just want to be a little bit selfish and enjoy what we've worked right. to create for ourselves. Yeah. And great idea. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's, I mean, everybody has their own, you know, uh, decision to make on that. And that's yeah. just kind of the way we've gone with it. Yeah. Great idea. Cause I'm telling you the, these worries that I'm having when these kids get a 16, have you seen the movie? Um, what's it Martin Lawrence and Will Smith Bad Boys Bad Boys yeah. when 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 the then when the daughter Martin Lawrence's daughter is having a date and the little kid comes to the house yeah. and <laughs> the who the fuck is it you know that's one of the best scenes ever yeah. and I imagine and imagine me be like that <laughs> yeah, you got to figure out a way to decorate like the entrance way to your house with your metal and boxing gloves <laughs> yeah. and make sure that just, any suitor who comes over knows <laughs> that your hands are deadly weapons yeah just pictures of me knocking people out all around the house and all that <laughs> by the way you posted a video of your first knockout a few weeks ago oh yeah that was it? sick yeah yeah, yeah. Well, you know what so i was 15 years old i fought an, obviously another 15 year old mm-hmm. guy southpaw he was a national champion and i knocked him out with a left hook I, I, I always i'll never forget this it's kind of what we said about you you remember how you feel i, I punched him and he disappeared it was like boom he was there he was there and then he was gone yeah i've never thought about this before i've just knocked out a 15 year old kid yeah it's a 15 year old kid asleep on the floor I've always thought it was fucking great until now I've looked at it again and like, no, that's not great. Right. It's not great. It's a 50, that's someone's son. Imagine if you were a 15 year old son or your niece or nephew or whoever, if, anyway, anyone, any 15 year old boy getting knocked out with a punch to the head. Mm-hmm. That's not good. Well, and that is a perfect segue into something that you've started to talk about publicly uh, a lot recently is, you know, the repeated blows to the head, right. uh, CTE, concussions, and, you know, traumatic brain injury, long-term effects of this. How do you feel about that on this side of your career? Yeah, now I, I've never said this before, but it's like, how the hell is boxing still legal? Especially at that age, Yeah, seeing kids. And, and you, start, you start fighting, I competed when I was 11. People 11 getting punched in the head really hard yeah. when the brain's starting to develop. Uh, you know, getting hurt, getting concussed. How, how, is, how is that legal? You know, right. How? Like, I know they're trying to they're doing the the flag football and that now, right? I'm not so, so not not that familiar with the football rules, but in boxing, there's not much you can really do because you've got to punch someone in the head as hard as you can. Right. How how's it legal? Yeah, I, I don't know, and and I mean, 
you know boxing better than I do. How, what potential resolution or solution to this do you see? I mean, how could, I mean, do you just put an age limit on it and say, you know, there's no boxing until, or no blows to the head? Maybe it's just shoulders and below? Or? Yeah, I, I really don't think there is anything you can do. Like like we said, in the football years, you can do the flag football and no tackles and all that. But in boxing, the, the name of the game is to hit the other person in the head. So if you take that out of it, there's not much you can do. You, you even see kids starting boxing when they're seven years old, starting sparring when they're seven years old. How old were you? I was 10. Okay. I, I had my first fight at 11. I'd done the maths and by the time I was 12, I'd been punched in the head around 2,000 times. Like if, I, if I'd been punched in the head like seven times, each round I'd sparred and then fights. Uh, so let's just see a 12-year-old being punched in the head 2,000 times. Even if it's off another 12-year-old, it, it's like... There's not, there's nothing you can do, you know. And then the the bad thing about boxing is as well, when you retire from boxing, there's not a union, there's nothing, there's nothing for boxers to to fall back on. Right, like the NFL is going through all these battles with the players' association yeah. to try to protect guys after their career. Yeah, you in, have none of that in, in boxing. boxing. There's nothing like you. I, I did a blog about the time life of a, of a boxer. When you start boxing, you want, want to be champion, and you you meet cost cost uh, boxers and from uneducated. Or uneducated people, like I said, I left school with nothing, so you've got no education. So, when you stand and sit down with a promoter who's educated, who's very smart, he's like, "All right, Tony, I'm, I'm going to give you five grand. Sign this contract. We'll look after you. You're going to do this, 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 this." I'm signing that contract. You know, I'm not even going to read it. I'll get someone to check it. Then I never done that, by the way. But this is just an example. Right. But it happens all the time. Then, then that box is going to be fighting for. Peanuts, where they've got to still work a full-time job to be able to fight. They'll fight. The, the, the promoter doesn't give a shit about them. Uh, and then they'll en end up leaving boxing a little bit punched on, a little bit CTE. And uh, they've got nothing to fall back on. They'll go back to the 9-to-5 job or whatever the, the job is on the building side. Mm -hmm. It's just it's just so sad. The, the life the life of, a, of an average boxer is is very, very sad. And we don't see that. We see the likes of Floyd Mayweather earn $100 million. And we're like, wow, this boxing game's all right. Yeah. But 99.9% but .9 of the boxers leave yeah. with nothing. For every one of him, there's 100 of the guys you've never heard of that oh a thousand a thousand of the guys you never heard of really? you know it's 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 crazy and i've had friends before who, who's who's been fucked over from promoters and they've lost so much money even myself I, I i got messed around a bit i never had my contract signed or uh, uh, looked at correctly and the promoter knew the loopholes and right you know i, I lost quite a few thousand dollars like i think about thirty thousand dollars just through not reading or not not being educated enough in in that, which is obviously a lot of money. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there should be a union for boxers. So you know, you said you kind of question how it's still legal. I mean, do you do you think it's something that should be discontinued as a sport? No, I I, I can't see that because if it, if it wasn't for boxing, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I just I just don't know. I don't think it it should be illegal. I just don't know what the answer is to the to the question. What, what about headgear? Bringing that back in an amateur fight? Yeah, I, I believe headgear was a massive mistake uh, taking that out because they've taken out amateur boxing. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. You know that, right? Yeah. Uh, so I only know that because of what you've been posting and, and talking yeah. about. So I mean, keep posting what you're posting because I, I wouldn't have known that otherwise. Yeah, I mean, that's great. Like raising awareness like that. But yeah, I mean, headguards out of amateur sports now and the. 
the it doesn't so much protect the brain, but it, it protects the the face from. Let's see if me and you headbutt like that. Now one of us is probably going to get a cut. Right. You know, and in amateur boxing, well, in boxing generally, you don't want to get cuts, but especially amateur boxing. Again, fifteen years old, getting cut, and yet blood running down your face—it's not good. So, right. they should never took head guards out of boxing. Uh, some people say, "Well, that does you more more harm than good because the head guard's a little bit thicker. So, if I throw a punch uh, and you never had the head guard on, I would miss. But now, if you get the head guard on, it would hit. You know, but no, nah, I think it was a mistake." So I know you've done some work with concussion specialists. I mean, yeah. can you talk a little bit about you know the health of your brain and and what you've been able to do in the last say a year, year and a half to improve. Yeah, I've uh, nutrition. I mean, listening to you, like you've given me so many ideas about eating, eating better, working out. You know, I, I've seen Dr. Charles Burnick, who I had on my show, who's doing a brain study on on fighters. It's the largest, biggest brain study in in the world for fighters. He's done over like 700 uh, MMA fighters and boxers. And he said that the number one thing you can do for brain health is exercise, which I was surprised with. I'm sure you knew that, right? Yeah, there, there's a lot of benefits to exercise. I mean, we get endorphins and hormone release short term. And, and, and among those is something called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, uh, which can signal new neuronal growth, which can facilitate that neuroplasticity, protect your brain um, you know, through the aging process. But, I mean, I, I don't know enough about it to know whether or not that alone is effective enough to reverse certain amount of damage. I'm yeah. sure with, like, I'm not sure, but I would be willing to bet that with, like, early stages or low-level damage, yeah. maybe that would be enough. But I think there's probably some certain threshold or something yeah. where... He didn't see it would reverse it. I, I, I don't think there's anything you can do to reverse right. the damage, but it can help from... Get prevent worse. further yeah, worsening exactly. or deterioration. We yeah. at, at the Boxing Burn gyms here. We've got um, classes for Parkinson's disease. We've got like must be fifty people with Parkinson's come and do boxing classes. Really? And they say that's the best thing you can do for Parkinson's. Yeah. So a lot of Parkinson's drugs um, activate uh, dopamine receptors or, or kind of flood the body with with dopamine. Dopamine is associated not only with like that um, perseverance and motivation to to do things. Um, we once thought that it was the replay button and reward, but there's new research showing that it's more uh, on the front end of having the motivation or the perseverance to to start something and to do it. But it's right. also heavily involved in uh, motor skills, which yes. is yeah. why it's part of the, the Parkinson's treatment. Right, yeah. Um, but it's also re- released through exercise. Yeah. So that w- that makes perfect sense. I'm curious, yeah. why did you guys start... Parkinson's. Well, it was it was an outside program. Okay. Wanting to use the gym and do it. It's not. It's like we just rent the space to them. Okay. It's it's amazing though. Like you'll see some of the people walking in and like bad tremors and shaking, and sometimes they even fall to the floor. They'll do the workout and then they'll they'll walk out way better than they walked in just after that workout. And speaking to them as well, um, they'll they'll tell you like how much boxing training is helping them. You know, it's amazing. It's it's a really really fascinating program uh like you, you would think like boxing's really bad because muhammad ali he had the parkinson's and that, they see that was through, through uh boxing but you can, they're not, obviously they're not getting punched in the head right that's the, and that's the big difference yeah, like yeah when you come in to do a boxing workout you're not getting punched in the head yeah exactly the the but the motor skills using the hand eye and foot coordination because mm-hmm. 
in boxing, you're not just using your arms or your hands. You're using the full body. Right. So it's helping them. And that's, I mean, the, we mentioned this earlier. I mean, we've done two sessions together. And, I mean, I'm amazed at how many things I have to think about yeah. while we're, you know, going through everything. You know, where are my feet? How are they moving? How am I standing? You know, are my shoulders square or do I have that tilt like you're talking about? Yeah. You know, where are my hands? Where's my head? Where's my chin? And, again, that's one of the things that, you know, we talked about your ability to kind of master this through years. Yeah. But until you get to a certain point, there are so many things to be thinking about. And I right. can see yeah. why that type of workout would be so great for, um, you know, brain health. Yeah. If you're if you're not getting punched in the head. Yeah. Yeah. The um, doctor's even seen that. He thinks that it would be really good for uh, Alzheimer's patients as well. Yeah. There's no studies out there to prove it, but he, he said that he, he really believes that it will be, which you can see that, right? Yeah, it'd be really interesting to see some studies on that. Yeah, and like the good thing about boxing is like you were better the second time than you were your first time. Right. Like The great thing about working out in, in boxing, you see results instantly. Like each, each session, that's why it's such an addictive workout. Right. You get better and better and better and better. Like where you might do CrossFit, it might take you six weeks to get better or lifting heavier weight or whatever, but in boxing, it's like instantly. Yeah. And you know what it's like these days, everyone wants that instant, instant yeah. gratification and you, and you get it straight away with boxing. That's why it's that's why it's been named the, the biggest fitness trend in 2018, yeah. the, the prediction. Speaking of trends, you're reading a new book. Tell us uh, what's, what is the book and, and how what kind of takeaways are you pulling from that and implementing them into yeah. business? Well, the, the book, Oh, the the. Uh, I shouldn't have asked you this one. We can't think of the name of it. <laughs> no, uh, we did it. It's why do you hate? Why money? do you hate money? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've just started reading that one. It's talking about copywriting and and how how to write. Like how how to write is massive. Like I said, I never left school with any qualifications. I'm I uh, I kind of I'm not a very good writer, but reading this book and uh, and just reading other people's writing styles and and learning and coming on podcasts. I'm learning more about how to write, you know. Uh, so, it, to me, the the beauty of becoming a better copywriter is not so that you can make more sales, not from the marketing yeah. sense, but it is the improvement in your ability to communicate what it is that you do. Because if you really do have a superior product, it's in the best interest of the consumer for you right. to be able to communicate that and to at least compete on a marketing level with the people who are better marketers than they are creators yeah. of good products. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think blogging is massive, uh, because like you see, you, you can, you can compete with the likes of Equinox cause they, they're not, they're not they, yeah, they, doing personal blogs. Right. You know, uh, that's in the fitness industry, but yeah, I, I tell ev everyone like they still should start blogging because what you see, might not interest me or might not interest him, but it'll interest someone, you know, right. everyone's cause, I think that's the biggest reason why people don't blog because they think, well, what can I write? Uh, no one's going to listen to me. But everyone's got an interesting story. Everyone's got someone, something interesting, right? What other people might like. Do you agree with that? I do. Yeah. I do. And then getting that, just putting that content out there for SEO purposes, right. if you use it on your YouTube videos, your Instagram. I mean, I'm getting something else now with the SEO stuff. But uh, yeah, I, th I think everyone should be blogging and, and putting stuff out there. If you're in business and, mm. and you want to do that, and as well, a good thing a good thing it does for me is I'll learn because you know I'll I'll learn about the writing style and it makes me it's good for me brain because I've got to think about things that happened in the past and put a bit of time into it. You know, if you're in business and you don't have something that 
interests you about why you're in business or you don't have something to communicate that is of value to the potential consumer, I would question why you're even in business. Right, yeah, yeah. So th- whatever that thing is that makes you yeah. unique or makes your product valuable, like that's where you start. Yeah, definitely. Like I say, I think it comes down to people, I've never blogged before, how do I blog? Yeah. Has it got to be like this? Has it got to be like that? Has it got to be? And then they start overthinking it like, fuck this. Yeah. And start rather than just write. There's so many people that let the how prevent them from getting started on any pursuit. Right, yeah. It's like my, my favorite quote is, uh, perfection prevents productivity. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite quote yeah. because if you're waiting for that perfect moment, you're never going to get it. Yeah, you, you're not, and you're going to be unproductive. <laughs> it's so funny. I have a, a mentor of mine. Um, he's in the book quite a bit, Paul Reddick. But just a- as I continue to move through my life, we'll have conversations like this, or, or things will come up, and I'm just shocked at how many things just come into my mind that he said that I've just totally forgotten about, right. or at some point used and em- employed and then forgot. But something he used to say was, "Done is better than perfect." Yes. Yeah. Definitely. It's just yeah. get it done, and then you can iterate. And you see that, like in the in the tech industry, or a lot of these industries that have experienced really rapid growth, you know, you're seeing that because it's just it's done. Get feedback, iterate, and then don't be so attached to that first version of it, and just say, "Look, we're learning as we go." That's what we're doing yeah. with Better Human Project. You know, we know what it can be. We know what we kind of want to do, and you know, we're just we're iterating as we go. Yeah. It's funny, we looked at a picture that we posted on Tuesday from an episode that we recorded right here in this room on Monday, and it already doesn't look like that. So this acoustic foam that you see is the legit, real deal stuff. Well, it didn't come in in time. So on Monday when we were recording shows, we had like, it was almost like uh, egg crate mattress foam or something just taped or glued to the walls in certain places. And that's already been pulled down, and then the better stuff has been put up. And you know that's just a perfect yeah. example of that. I trained a guy who's one of the top guys in Facebook, and he was telling me the other day, we went, we went for breakfast, and he said, Mark Zuckerberg's got around the Facebook offices, is that quote, done is better than perfect. So he's, he's preaching that to all of his staff. Mm-hmm. Because, like I say, if you wait for that perfect moment, you're never going to get done, like with blogging. It's never going to be perfect, but if you done is is better. Yeah. Do you think that comes from boxing, where, I mean, if you sat around and waited for the perfect opportunity to throw a punch, yeah. that you'd never throw one? Well, it's like if, if you went in a, if you waited to fight when you were 100%, you would never fight because you're never 100%. You've always got a little injury, a little niggle. In boxing, I'm sure it's the same with most sports. Everyone goes into the niggle with a, a niggle. Niggle, we call it a niggle. Is that a, is that a British word? <laughs> yeah, it must be if you've never heard of it. I've never heard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you learn something new, I Ryan. Learned. Yep. Uh, yeah. So if you've got if you've got a little injury or, or whatever, niggle uh, that everyone's got one. You know. So if you're wait, waiting to be perfect, you're never gonna fight. Right. No, same thing. Yeah. Uh, so that's and, and that's, I mean, same for business and anything. I mean, if you had waited until you knew everything about business, yeah. I mean, clearly in this conversation, we see how you're continuing to learn and evolve and grow the business. Yeah. But if you had waited to start the business until you knew everything you know now, right? Yeah. You wouldn't have a the number one gym in California. It's like we opened this gym and we had a, it was an empty warehouse. It was a Halloween store before we opened it. It was me and my business partner Kevin Watson, and then uh, if we waited to buy all our equipment or get the investors or get the money together for that. We would never open because we would never have got the money. We just opened it as an empty warehouse, no boxing ring, no nothing. All we had was a pair of, a few pair of mitts, some med balls and some uh, boxing gloves. That's all we had. 
And so then as, as soon as we yeah. made a bit of money, we put it in. Every time we made money, we put it in. And you've been there now. I mean, the gym's Oh, it's amazing. amazing. Yeah. And, and I think you've actually, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've added a ring in this location since I was here. No, we, we've always had the two rings. Uh, or maybe it was the other, Brentwood. Did you add a, a ring in there? No, man. I've no. seen a picture recently of that. Yeah, I thought um, there maybe was we'll post one because we, uh, we we were here a long time before we got the set of rings. So maybe I'll post okay. a picture with just the one ring in. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I've, like even we've just in the weights room now, we've just bought a big storage rack. We, when we, as soon as we get the money, we, we put it in. You know? you know what I love about talking to you and, and listening to you talk is, I mean, you're an Olympic medalist. You own a gym with multiple locations that has just been named the number one gym in California, number two gym in America. And all you're doing is this relentless search to be better. Yeah. You could easily sit on your haunches and just <laughs> be like, all right, I'm good. I'm going to chill. But the reason that you have made it to the top in different pursuits and will continue to thrive is that you surround yourself with people who hold you to a certain standard. Right. You did it when you boxed. You do it now. You continue to seek that education and look for ways to... This is another thing that I think is a, is an issue with a lot of people is, you know, reading books just to read books or to say like, this is on my bookshelf. I've read this, but yeah. you integrate what you learn. You implement these things into what you do. Yeah. If, if we don't implement the things we read or learn, it's, it's wasted knowledge. It's, it's yeah. you know, worse than not knowing it. Exactly. Like you, there's, everything's out there for you to learn for free. Yeah. If you go on YouTube, you can get just about everything, but it's actually doing it. Like the nutrition advice mm -hmm. you give me, I'm sure that's out there, is it or not? Some secrets. Yeah, I'm not. The, <laughs> I'm <laughs> not the only person out there with with good nutrition information. Um, but I think nutrition is one of those. Uh, well, you could look in any vertical, and you'll see a lot of bad information. Right. Uh, so yeah. I think it's. I think wherever you go, whether it's nutrition or fitness or boxing, um, you know, you said there's a lot of boxing gyms, but not all yeah. of them know how to teach. Uh, yeah. boxing the correct way i think it's look make sure that the person delivering this information has the credentials the qualifications to uh to be delivering this information and and not only that but you know are they a person that you resonate with in all aspects of life yeah. i mean uh, we told you that before we recorded with you we were sitting with with tate and Lacey from from caveman coffee and you know tate brought up a really good point about a certain individual with a lot of influence in a certain uh topic but when you look at him uh he he clearly doesn't have the self-discipline in some other areas of his life so right away there's kind of this red flag of i don't know how much blind faith i'm going to put in this individual right, yeah. who doesn't have his own house in order but is trying to tell me how to get my life in order yeah yeah i think trust's massive yeah if you in the nutritional box fitness wherever you go tr trust massive and there is a lot of bullshit out there a right. lot of fakes a lot of fake followers a lot of fake people. do you have any uh like screening methods to to kind of sift through you know like the the authentic versus the bullshit or i i work uh recommendations i yeah. trust you if you tell me this guy is the best i'm going to use that that guy like jay fruja he tells me something i'm gonna, i've like the circle of friends i've got now if mm -hmm. they tell me i trust them enough you know that, i yeah. think that's a big thing are you the yeah. same with that yeah i am and i think that's that speaks to a, a tip that i'll give people um i think this has come up in a recent show uh, but it's worth repeating again it's called the third party principle 
you know, if, if you didn't know me and I came up to you on the street and started telling you, you know, how great I was and, you know, why you should buy my product or do right. this thing, you'll respond in a certain way. Now, if you don't know me, but you know Jay and Jay comes to you and is like, man, Tony, Ryan's the guy. He's awesome. Listen to him, whatever. Yeah. He's the third party in that. And you are much more likely to know, like, trust and do business with me. Right coming from him than if I approach you directly. So the point in that is, you know, if any of us are trying to expand our network and, and maybe meet someone that is on our list of people we would like to meet, get introduced to or connect with, if you don't have, you know, rather than, if you don't have to do the cold call, look for ways in your network that you can get that third party introduction. Yeah. And, and that will go, yeah, you know, so much better for you in terms of trying to make these new connections or make things happen for whatever your mission is. Yeah, and with with social media now, you can kind of get in touch with anyone, yeah. right? Yeah, you can, uh, and I, th I think that, I think that's a great way to connect as well with the social media. But like listening listening to podcasts, I mean, I'll, I'll just let's say if you do meet someone, I think well, if I did, did meet someone, I can kind of figure out if the bullshit or not, you yeah. know. Uh, I think I've got that a decent radar with that, but yeah, I mean the the, the circle and it's what people see you the average of the five people you hang around with the most, and I, I love that because yeah. you just want to try and hang around with better people. And I mean it's it's hard, but I think everyone can do that. Always, if you're not around with a bunch of uh, knobheads, you understand that knobhead. Yeah, know what that means. Yeah. yeah, I think I've seen a few Guy Ritchie movies. <laughs> yeah, it. I know. If you're hanging around with a lot of knobheads, you're going to end up being a knobhead. <laughs> you don't want to be a knobhead. Uh, so, try, I mean, try and hang around with uh, the, the good people, the people who motivate you, push you, and try and keep away from the negativity because it's it's so easy to to be negative. I was talking with with Jay the other week about this. About uh, I can tell you. I can tell you 10 reasons right now why you shouldn't be sitting here doing this. Right. No, I can tell you 10 reasons why you shouldn't go and start trying to build. Uh, why you, not this book here? Why should you? You shouldn't have put this out. You shouldn't have called it that. You shouldn't have done this. You should. I can tell you reasons all day for that. What's so fascinating about that is I, I think that's the internal dialogue that so many people have with themselves. Right. So I, I'm curious, you know, with all the people you coach and help, I mean, do you have advice for a listener who may be struggling with that themselves where they tell themselves they, they have this thing that they have this great idea that they want to pursue or this yeah. thing that calls to them but they're telling themselves oh I shouldn't do it because of this or oh I can't do that yeah I, I love the I keep talking about quotes but I love the quote like a year from now you wish you started today mm -hmm. you now if you with stuff like that you've got to start because you're going to regret it life's too short right. it's so short I mean and I look older, but I'm 33 now. The Olympics was 10 years ago, and it's went over by that. You know, if you've got, you've got to just, you've got to start. You've got to get that ball rolling. The, you've got to do the work. Yeah. You know, if you're pro procrastinating too much, you know, it's. I don't, I don't know if there is a solution for that. Right. Apart from just doing it. I think for me, it goes back to what we were saying in the beginning. I mean, it's that. For me, it's that irrational fear of uh, ceasing to exist. It's the the reckoning with my own mortality like right i don't have time to waste like yeah i, I want to do this i don't care about all the reasons i i shouldn't yeah like and i know and this is something that i explore in the book you know we have that lizard part of our brain that is wired for survival and and we our biological wiring is such that it, it sort of prevents us from doing these things that you know may put us outside the tribe or uh, may put us at risk and 
you know, there's, there's a lot of useful tips in the book for how to, you know, surround yourself with people that don't just tolerate those ideas, but encourage mm. them and celebrate them. And, you know, that goes back to what you're saying about your community and the people that yeah. you're around. And, you know, if you're hanging around five knobheads, you're <laughs> going to feel like you shouldn't do these things. Yes. But if you're hanging around me and Jay and, you know, whoever else is, you know, in your five, you're going to feel like it's it's stupid not to. Yeah. And you're going to feel like there's no way you can fail. Right. And that's the power of the right community. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it was Puff Daddy who said, he, he said, if I come up with the idea, I don't want anyone to come in here and tell me why I can't do it. Yeah. I want you to come in here and tell me why I can do it. We can do anything. We're the best in the world. Right. Tell me how we can do it and let's fucking do it. Right. You know, and I... I love that shit. Those are my favorite conversations too. When you yeah. get in the room with with your guys, your team, and and you just like that's how that's how this happened. Right. I mean, this was just going to be a new podcast, yeah. Better Human Project, and now we're sitting in an RV that the back of it has been converted into a podcast studio, and it's parked outside of your Santa Monica location, and we're sitting on beautiful reclaimed redwood benches and talking into professional stuff and it's awesome it, it it only happened because a conversation where that team said it wasn't well this is why we shouldn't this is why we can't yeah it was fuck yeah that's awesome what if we did this yeah, what if we did this and that. we can do that. this so that comes down to you being surrounded by the right sort of people right because all it takes is a one or two negative people to put them negative thoughts in your head and then it might be like oh maybe he's got a point you know, right. obviously you're not the type of person who who probably listen to that, but you know, you're surrounding yourself in a, with a great team who's all going in the same direction. Mm -hmm. You're on the same bus going in that same direction, which is what you need to surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. uh, but it can be it can be hard. It can be hard because there's a lot of people out there don't want people to succeed. Yeah. You know? yeah. The, the, the That's why it's so important to insulate yourself with a team that, you know, believes in you, believes in your mission, supports How would you advise you find that team? Oh man, that's tough. Um, I saw, um, we were at Success Live uh, in Long Beach last September, and I think it was, it was Peter Vug. There were a, a whole bunch of great speakers on that stage in two days, and I think it was Peter Vug who talked about you know, the importance of your team. And he said, who's on your team? Who's gonna help you make this thing happen? Right. And prior to hearing that, I hadn't really given it much thought. I was looking at everything that I was trying to do as kind of a solo missions. And, you know, I had, you know, this light bulb moment and I literally pull out my phone. I use Evernote on my phone to take notes. And I'm literally, as he's talking, I'm, I'm typing in like, okay, who's my team? I'm like, I had already had a few communications with Ryland, you know, Ryland's name went on there and uh, Jackie who does our show notes went on there and I started thinking about all the elements that go into making all this stuff happen and the very first thing I did when I got home after that trip you know that Monday was I called every single person that was on that list and I said this is my vision this is what I'm thinking about and it just took off from there and I think it was obviously like you said those people were the right people yeah but sort of what you said earlier, where as you kind of go through life and you have the values that you have and the conversations that we have, you, you sort of develop your own ability to filter out who's authentic, who's not. You can kind of learn who is the right person. Yeah. And it, it's a process. I mean, the first, 
you won't get it right every time. Yeah. Uh, I think you and I have both been doing it now for 10 or 15 years. Yeah. And I think we are just now getting to the point where we can identify those people accurately. Right. I think it's it's a skill, just like anything yeah. else, where you, you have to hone uh, that ability to identify. And, and that only comes with practice. It comes yeah. with conversations. And um, You've got to really learn. Of course, you'll learn along the way. Learn from your mistakes. And, you I think it gets harder for us now through social media because that lends itself to much shallower conversations. Right. And it's a lot harder to have the deeper real conversations yeah. today than it used to be. Yeah. It, or or it maybe society's just moving away from that. And I think like you mentioned earlier how much you love podcasting and growing your network. I think that's one of the reasons that we crave I don't know how you feel, but I mean, I think one of the best parts of being a podcaster is sitting down and being able to actually have that conversation yeah. and you walk away, you're lit up. Yeah. Like you're like, man, that was awesome. I love it. I, I, I love, I love going out for a meal and li- leaving the phones to one side. Yeah. So you can have this time. Right. There's nothing worse when you're in the middle of a conversation and the phone comes up and it's like, this fuck was not even interested, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, phones and social media now, all that is amazing. But at the same time, it's stopping this this yeah. communication. And I yeah. think that's a what you say. I think I think that's a huge thing in 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 success. Learning, talking to people, and building building that uh, relationship, mm-hmm. that emotional relationship with mm-hmm. people. You know, how do you build your team? Oh, my, the team that we've got now is massive. We've got like forty five staff in the two locations, and. Um, the hiring process is is very long now. Like let's say for a trainer, they've they've got a they've got to come into the gym. They've got to take two classes before we even interview them. Then they've got to write us a letter telling me telling me how was the class, how can we benefit from having you part of the team. Uh, that's before we interview them. So we've got to do these yeah. three big steps. Yeah. And if they don't want to do that, all right, you're not, you're not want to, <laughs> right. yeah. Right. And then they do, do the interview. If the interview is good, we put them on a development program where they're, where they're, where they're learning for free. We, we, we tell them to come in. We don't pay them. They've got to come in. We've got to get them ready for our classes. Uh, that might take two to eight weeks. If they don't want to be on that, all right, fine. We'll, right. And then after that, then we find out if they really want it or not, you know? Mm-hmm. At one time, we grew that fast when we first opened. It was like, oh, you've done boxing before? Great, you're hired. Yeah. And we hired loads of shit, you know. But now the the team is great, the best team we've ever had. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 great. And the thing is, we're having 45 staff, and there's, there's two of us, me and Kevin, who's, who's like the owners, is giving them the right attention, which I'm still learning about all the time because some people need that pat on the back. Well done, mate. You've done great today. You're working really good. Some people are not bothered about it, but I think most people need that recognition for what they do. Mm-hmm. And that's something where I haven't done very good at in the past. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I've learned from that. We've had trainers leave where, and, and they say, and they think the grass is greener on the other side and they say, well, it would have been nice if you told me like yeah you've, you've done you've done well today mm-hmm. because I, I i don't need that i don't need someone to tell me i've done well so i've kind of thought in the back of my head like why why should i have to tell you this right. but again everyone's different so it comes down to learning yeah that's something that came up we had the mind pump guys on the show i think it was episode five and adam was talking about that it, the book that he brought up was the one minute manager and i forget who wrote right. it 
but that's a, uh, an interesting book that may come in handy. But he said exactly what you're saying, that we can never tell our people enough how good of a job that they're right. doing. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting to hear that, you know, from multiple people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think, I think we've, we've really got to do that. And like I say, so I'm, I'm not bothered about people telling me how good I'm doing. Right. But, 90 percent of people really the, the need that and it's something that i'm learning uh so again with this we've been in business now for six years we've grew and we've got a great name and a reputation but like you said i'm still learning mm-hmm. little things all the time how to get better i'm never going to settle for for second best or just settle in general i just want to be the best i want i want box and burn to be a household name in, in usc fitness industry you know, and I think we're going in the right direction. I think you are too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Tony, let me ask you the uh, the closing questions for Better Human Project. I'm nervous. It's 1A and 1B. All right, so first part is your number one tip to be a better human. Uh, don't look for perfection. Like what I said, perfection prevents productivity. That is my number one tip because that will prevent you from doing so many things in life. You know, and to be, if you want to be a better human, if you want to go and start your own business, if you want to, if you want to do whatever it may be, don't look for that per- perfect moment. Are you, are you never going to get it? I love it. I mean, that's why this is the better human, not the best human project. Yeah. It's just constantly growing. Yeah, be better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, part two to that question is your number one tip to do better as a human for our families, our communities, uh, the people that we're serving. Yeah, I think give. I think you've got to, you've got to give, like what I said before, it's, if it's a compliment, if it's whatever it may be, don't always want to receive, be on the receiving end of everything. You've got to give, you've got to give compliments, you've, you've got to, you've got to uh, give people, it might be a gift, it might be whatever, like a thank you. You've, you've always got to give if you, if you, if you just, and you've got to listen as well like with that so you're giving them if you're giving them your time to listen to, to their problems whatever it may be mm-hmm. I think uh, yeah I think I think that's a that's a good one I'll, I'll go with that one alright it's beautiful and I guess that's it that was great Ryan I loved it mate I love it Tony always awesome. a pleasure yeah I could talk to you Thank forever you, mate. Yeah. I know mate this is great let's do it again next right. time you're in town definitely